This is the Caveat Mentor podcast, season one, episode two, where we're going to be talking about how blockchains are secured. My name is Mentor. I've had the pleasure of spending the past 10 years in the weird and wonderful world of crypto, where I've made many mistakes and had a lot of time to learn from them. I write both Web2 and Web3 software, and it's my intention in the coming episodes to explain to you my understanding of blockchain technology, uh, as well as I'm able currently. So last episode, we discussed what a blockchain is as a distributed ledger that is immutable and permissionless with the metaphor of a spreadsheet. We're going to continue using the metaphor of that spreadsheet. The only missing piece in our previous metaphor, the spreadsheet, is how are we keeping our separate copies of the spreadsheet synced with each other in a trustless way? Okay, so trustless consensus is the main aspect of what we're going to be talking about today. If you don't know what those words mean, don't worry about it. We're getting into it. Uh, we're going to start with public-private key cryptography. Then we're going to cover proof of work and afterwards proof of stake. And we're going to contrast those two things uh, and their advantages, disadvantages against each other. So before we can cover how we keep the spreadsheet synced trustlessly, we need to spend a little moment defining that word, trustless. Just like with immutability, uh, there is no absolute trustlessness. It is always a spectrum. To illustrate uh, trustlessness, we're going to take a trustful example. Let's say you and I are sitting on a beach without an internet connection, and you claim to me that you own a certain social media profile. Um, I don't believe you. So I ask you, hey, prove to me that you indeed own this social media handle on our favorite platform. There is no way for you to prove that you own this handle without going to the social media platform itself and asking them for proof that you own uh, the social media handle. Uh, in other words, I trust a third party to certify that a certain thing that you are asserting is true. Um, in blockchain world, we don't do this. There's no central party that is arbiting what is true. To illustrate perhaps closer to the blockchain conversation, an example of trustful and trustlessness as a spectrum, consider money. Um, if you want to prove you own a certain amount of money, and it is digital money that is in your bank account, the only way for you to prove that you own this money is for you to ask your bank to provide proof that you own this money. So there's a third party that in this case is the shared trusted party between you and me when you are trying to prove that you own a certain amount of money. A more trustless version of money is cash money. Uh, if you want to prove to me that you own a Pablo Escobar-esque quantity of money, uh, all you need to do is open up the door to your shed and show me your stacked whatever bills you have. And we don't need a third party for you to prove to me that uh, you own this money. Now, of course, there are other trust assumptions in that cash money example. For example, uh, the authenticity of the money, uh, the fact that we both trust a certain government and so forth. So here you see, e even in this example, there's no absolute trustlessness. 
It's, there's always trust somewhere, uh, in the same way that I trust that the sun will rise tomorrow and the food I eat today uh, is equally non-toxic to my body uh, as when I ate it yesterday. There's always trust and always assumptions, but from a computer science perspective, the world of blockchain has scattered trust in such a way that we're comfortable calling it functionally trustless. All right, so what does that mean in our analogy with the spreadsheet? So think back to our metaphor. We have our spreadsheet with our columns and our rows, and your account is basically a row in the spreadsheet. And every hour we're updating the sheet, and at this update we copy the previous state, we copy it to a new version, and we put the changes in there. In the previous example, I mentioned how we would ask you for the password of a certain row. So you can only make edits to a row that you are the owner of. I briefly mentioned we don't actually use passwords. So in blockchain world, we use something called private keys and public keys. Before we continue, uh, I want to point out that key is computer science speak for thing. We're always talking about keys and values. So when a programmer says a key, what he means is a thing. And when he says a value, he means its content. So for this discussion, whenever I say public key, you can just think of it as the public thing. And private key, you can think of it as the private thing. Uh, key is not always a useful word if you're thinking of it in the traditional sense. In cryptography, we use private keys, so the private things, to decrypt or to open things. And we use public keys, so the public things, to encrypt things. The way you can think of this is, uh, let's say you and I are having dinner, and I ask you, hey, can you send me your passport in the mail tomorrow? And you ask me, gee, that sounds awfully insecure. What if someone uh, opens my box and finds my passport in, in the package? So I give you a metal box and a lock. The lock is currently unlocked. I say, here, this lock, this is my public key. This is the public thing. I'm going to send you home with this lock and this box, and I'm going to keep the key here. And tomorrow, you can send me your passport, and the locked box will arrive at me. I'm the only one with the key, the private key, the private thing. So I'm the only one who can open this box. This is, in essence, how a lot of secure communications in the current internet world works. Whenever two parties want to communicate with each other, they share their public keys, their public things with each other. It's basically giving each other uh, open locks. Uh, and then when you want to communicate with each other, you just send locked boxes knowing that the other can open your box, your piece of information. They can decrypt that with their private key, the private bit. Uh, and that way we can uh, communicate securely. All right, so this is one example or metaphor of how you can think of public keys and private keys. Another is that a public key, a public thing, is like the account number on a credit card. It is an identifier, and it is kind of like a, a customer number that you have with your credit card company. With this number alone, we can't really do much. Uh, we also need the private key, the private thing in this case, uh, a PIN number. Or if you're American and your country is 10 years behind on payment infrastructure, uh, you might require a signature to uh, uh, pay with your credit card. Uh, in this case, the PIN code or signature are the private keys, the private things. A final metaphor that will allow us to explain the spreadsheet further 
is that a private key, so the private thing, can not just unlock things, but it can sign things. The way you can think of it is kind of like a magic pen, where a private key can be used as a magic pen, where if you sign a signature with it, we can cryptographically prove who signed that signature. And with who, I mean which public key is associated with the signature. And we can prove beyond a doubt uh, that the signature is cryptographically valid. It cannot be forged. Now, here's an interesting thing about public keys and private keys. Um, the majority of computer science security, um, when we say it is unhackable or secure, what we say, uh, what we mean when we say that is we know exactly how to hack this system. And because we know exactly how to hack the system, we know that it is unfeasible. So every public key and private key pair, so every lock and every key, there can only ever be one key that fits into one lock. Um, we cryptographically know how to reverse engineer the key to each lock. We know how from a public key, from the public thing, we can get to the private thing. We know this. Because we know this, we can calculate how much effort it would take to break the system, to uh, pick the lock. And we know that basically that is all the processing power in the world uh, geared solely towards this task until the heat death of the universe. Um, so when we say this is secure and unhackable, what we mean is we know exactly how to hack it, and we know that uh, if anyone ever manages, uh, the universe will have ceased to exist by that point. So we we really don't care. So whenever you want to change the spreadsheet, we don't ask for your passwords. No, what we ask for you to do is the identifier column in the spreadsheet, so the name of the account, that is actually a public key. And whenever you want to make a change to a certain row, we ask you, okay, so the private, oh, sorry, the public key of this row is zero X whatever. Um, Whoever owns this private key, please sign with your magic pen a signature that says, I hereby clear this transaction. And we can verify for sure, without consulting a third party, that this public key, this address, the public thing, uh, indeed belongs to this private key, this private thing, this magical signing pen. Uh, and we can check whether indeed a certain transaction request is valid. All right, I, uh, I hope that made sense because we are going to build on it. The next problem we run into is remember that we're talking about a distributed ledger. Not only is there not one person who is telling us which uh, spreadsheet version is correct, uh, the spreadsheet isn't in one place. Everyone who is playing along with our blockchain has a full copy of the spreadsheet. So how do we make sure that we all have the same one if no one can guarantee to us which is the right one? In other words, how do we reach consensus? Which new sheet is correct? In order to determine that, we must have someone verify the signatures in the sheet. So with every change, someone needs to go and check whether everything is correct, generate the new sheet, and then tell the rest, hey, I checked the signatures, this is the new sheet. And we need to give this person an incentive so that there's always someone who will volunteer to do this task. 
So how about we just pay everyone, right? Everyone who's playing the game with us of, of this particular blockchain, and we just pay everyone who updates to the correct next version. Uh, because everyone can calculate the, connect, uh, the correct next version uh, because all the cryptographic signatures are there. It's actually not that computationally intensive. The problem there is that let's say we pay everyone and we're with 10 people and I decide to just create 1 million accounts and I just pretend to be 1 million people. Because in the spreadsheet, in the spreadsheet it it itself, there's no way to check which physical, biological person or entity is behind uh, a certain row. This is called the Sybil problem. Uh, you never know whether a digital account belongs to one person uh, or whether a thousand accounts belong to a thousand people. So we can't pay everyone because then people would just spam as many fake accounts as they could to try and get paid. What about if we pick a random person? Well, we run into the same problem. Uh, if I create a million accounts and there are only 10 other players, then I am vastly more likely to be randomly picked. So we can't do that either. So we currently don't have a good way to reward someone, to give them an incentive to check the signatures for the next version of the spreadsheet for the next block in blockchain speak. We also have no way currently to punish people if they don't play along. Let's say we pick someone to verify the signatures and everyone agrees this is the person who will check and this person is slow or they submit an invalid next spreadsheet uh, or whatever kind of behavior that we don't like. Interestingly, if they try to cheat, it's not a problem for our security because we can check all the signatures uh, once someone creates a new sheet because all the signatures were signed with the magical pens of our private keys. It's actually very easy to check whether uh, the spreadsheet is correct. But if uh, there's no way to punish people, that means that someone who wants to mess with us can basically come into our system and just put themselves in the rotation and try to cheat every time that they're up, which will just create make our system less efficient, we'll make it break at unpredictable points, or it will mean that uh, one, once every day, one of the hourly spreadsheets uh, is wrong, which means we need to wait two hours for the next one. Uh, it, it's just not very nice. So ideally, what we want is to randomly select someone to uh, verify the signatures for the next spreadsheet in a way that is fair, so everyone gets a fair chance, and we want to reward the good behavior and we want to punish the bad behavior. One type of system with which we can solve this problem is the system that Bitcoin uses and a number of other blockchains use as well called proof of work. So the problem we have is we want you to have something to gain by verifying the correct next sheet and something to lose if you do it wrongly. So in proof of work, uh, what you have to gain is if you do the next spreadsheet well, you get a bit of money. In the case of Bitcoin, uh, if you uh, produce the next block, the next sheet, if you're the one who was chosen and you did it well, you get some Bitcoin. Well done. Um, we also want that you have something to lose. Now this is more difficult than you think, because what can we, in a world where we cannot prove who is who, uh, on a completely digital system, how can we prove that you have something to lose or make you prove? you have something to lose. Um, 
what we do in proof of work is we make you do cryptographic work, cryptographic puzzles that are not falsifiable. So there's no way to uh, submit fake work. But in essence, all we're trying to let you do is do unfalsifiable work, which has no purpose other than to prove that you have put in work. So in this system, we say uh, the more work you put in, the more you have to lose, because doing that work took effort, and we'll cover later how that works. Um, so the more work you put in, the more chance that you're the one who's going to be picked to produce the next sheet, the next block. Now, how does this work uh, cost you something in the real economic sense? So let's say in, uh, in Bitcoin, you want to do proof of work, you want to prove that you are doing work, uh, you would need to buy a whole lot of machines. And this is actually how Bitcoin mining currently works. Uh, big factories filled with machines that cost money and that consume a lot of electricity. And they're just doing cryptographic work, unfalsifiable work. Um, and the way that the puzzle works is actually really interesting. Uh, basically, the spreadsheet produces a hash and asks all the miners, find me the content that results in this hash. The way you can think of a hash is kind of like a smoothie, right? So I go into the kitchen, I input a lot of interesting ingredients, fruit, vegetables, some herbs, and secret ingredients, and I give you just a small part of it, maybe a shot glass full of the smoothie. You can taste it and say, yeah, that's, that's Mentor's signature smoothie. I would recognize it anywhere. I don't need to tell you what the ingredients were in this smoothie. You can taste it and you can recognize it. Um, but only I know the recipe. A cryptographic hash in proof of work is a little bit like this. So what the spreadsheet has in its built-in magic is every time a new spreadsheet needs to be generated, it generates a random smoothie and it asks all the miners, hey, find me the recipe for this smoothie. And because of the way that the cryptography works, the only way to find the recipe for the smoothie is to just randomly try stuff. Uh, that is just the way that the cryptography works. So there's no intelligent way of trying to reverse engineer the recipe from the smoothie. What that then results in is the work in proof of work is people brute forcing recipes, bits of data, putting it through a blender, through a hashing algorithm, which results in a smoothie, a content hash. And a, a hash is kind of like the flavor or the fingerprint of a piece of data. Um, and that is what happens in proof of work. Basically, we're asking you to guess recipes. And the only way to do that is to do a lot of work. And in that sense, you have something to lose and something to gain. Because if you get picked, you get money. And if you get picked and you cheat, then you have wasted a lot of electricity, which costs real money, to be chosen to generate the next sheet. And if you try to cheat or you don't perform well, then you lose all of that. And we get the minor inconvenience of skipping one sheet, skipping one block. We'll just ask someone else to do it. So this is the essence of how proof of work works. So in proof of work, we want to make sure you have something at stake. Proof of stake 
is an alternative system to proof of work. Another way to choose who gets the rights to generate the next sheet and get some money for that, uh, for that service. Um, in that sense, proof of work is like proof of stake with extra steps. The reward system is very similar. If the proof of stake system chooses you to produce the next spreadsheet, you get some money. The only thing that differs is you have something different at stake. So in Bitcoin, we have unfalsifiable work in proof of work. In proof of stake, we have unfalsifiable stake. So instead of making you burn electricity and buy big machines, what we say is, uh, please put a large bag of money on the table. Uh, the larger your bag of money, the larger the chance that you will be picked to produce the next spreadsheet. Uh, very similar to proof of work, you know, the bigger your factory with machines, the bigger the chance that you get to pick, uh, you get picked to produce the next sheet. Uh, and if you are picked to produce the next sheet, if you cooperate, you get some money. And if you don't, if you try to cheat, we're going to take your money away. So you have something very real at stake, your bag of money or your stake in the terminology. This has a number of advantages, proof of stake. One of them is this uses far less electricity than a proof of work system because in a proof of work system the whole point is we're trying to make you incur costs to make sure that you have something at stake when you get chosen to produce the next spreadsheet because that is how we punish you if you don't play along we punish you by not paying you and now your investment basically was stolen because it resulted in nothing it resulted in loss in proof of stake, you don't have all these big machines, you just have the bag of money. The biggest advantage from a fairness perspective for proof of stake is that you don't have economies of scale. In a proof of work system, if you as a consumer say, I want to buy one Bitcoin mining machine and put it to work in my house generating Bitcoin, uh, which you can do, it's a thing. Uh, if you're competing against parties who have, say, millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions, and they're going to invest them in these bigger Bitcoin mining facilities. What that means in practice is they get far better prices on the machines, on the Bitcoin mining machines. Uh, the same way that if you're going to buy one laptop or 100 laptops, you're going to be able to get a far better deal from your vendor if you're going to buy 100. Same goes for electricity. If you put it in your house, then you're going to be paying residential electricity rates and your competitor, the one with uh, tens or hundreds of millions, is going to get a far better deal from a utilities company because they're buying in bulk. So the little guy gets less return because their investments are far more expensive than the players who have deep pockets. Uh, in proof of stake, this is not the case. Uh, contrary to what you might read on some uh, radicalized <laughs> Twitter handles, uh, in proof of stake, and here I'm assuming we're talking a system designed as the Ethereum system, um, it doesn't matter whether you put in one validator, which is 32 ETH, still not nothing, but not hundreds of millions, and it doesn't matter if you put in 32 ETH or 320 or 3200, uh, you all get the same percentage. And contrary to Bitcoin, there's no economy of scale with the hardware either. So there are people who are running Ethereum proof-of-stake validators on Raspberry Pis. And the cool thing with validators is because we're not trying to make you do work, 
uh, we don't have uh, have to scale your hardware. So if your device can run one validator, so one bag of money with proof of stake, it can probably also run a thousand. Like the the incremental hardware cost is pretty much zero. So we covered today the spreadsheet. How does it reach consensus? How do we make sure that someone gets chosen and incentivized to produce the next spreadsheet? And in a blockchain system, this is called producing a block uh, or proposing a block, depending on the system you're working in. And once you have made this new block, this new spreadsheet, you broadcast it to the rest of the network. And if you did well, you get paid. And if you didn't, then depending on the system, either your investment is gone, like in proof of work, or your money will get stolen, like in proof of stake. I uh, hope that made sense. Uh, I would really appreciate some feedback on Twitter. If you think this went well, or if I convoluted things too much, please reach out. My Twitter handle is actually mentor. Uh, for last episode, I was giving away an RPL token. So congratulations to glorylabs.eth for winning that raffle. Uh, if you want to buy the POAP of this episode, there's instructions in the uh, description of this episode. And this episode, I'm giving away an ENS token, an Ethereum name service token. So if you want to support the podcast, get one of the POAPs, join the raffles. Uh, I'm having fun doing this. Uh, let me know what, uh, what you think, whether you enjoy it. And I hope to see you in the next episode where we're going to be covering what the point is of all this blockchain cryptography. <laughs>